Hello, I'm Kane Winstead. I'm Matthew Derrigish. And you're listening to The Untold Talks of Spider-Man, a podcast about deep cuts, forgotten classics, and what it truly means to be a Spider-Man story. Today, we are here with our second episode on Like Sands in the Hourglass. This time with a good old-fashioned uh, issue featuring some of our favorite villains, like Boomerang. Um, but before <laughs> I get ahead of myself, some of you might be scratching your heads and thinking... I thought we were going to be talking about the short Halloween. Well, Matt and I recorded the episode for the short Halloween and then listened to it and realized it sucked. Um, mostly just the story, but we weren't super happy with how our conversation really turned out with the episode. Matt, you're, you're, you're furrowing your brow like you don't necessarily agree with me. I think it sucked. <laughs> like we just uh, moved that to the Patreon. Right. Well, we, we've been, Matt and I have been both trying to find stories that we resonate with us a little bit more. And we were both really negative on, on short Halloween. So we thought for... We thought in efforts to kind of keep the quality of the show high and because you guys seem to really respond when we like an issue, surprise, surprise, um, we, we moved it to the Patreon because we did record it. We did say we were going to do it, but think of it more as a bonus episode. In fact, it is now labeled as Untold Talks of Spider-Man Annual Number 1. So if you believe that annuals count and you want to say that if you listen to every single episode of the Untold Talks of Spider-Man, then you got to drop that $3.99 just for at least the one month so you can listen to that annual episode. But anyway, back to Amazing Spider-Man number 281, which was written in 1986 by the legendary Tom DeFalco. Story layouts were by Ron Friends. It was penciled and inked by Brett Breeding and colored by Nelson Yamatov, or Yamtov, uh, with letters by Joe Rosen. Matt, where can we snag a copy of this comic? Well, Kane, ASM 281 is the second part of a story that's pretty much a direct crossover to the story before that. You know, similar to that uh, block we just did on Slingers. I thought we'd left the Slingers behind us. For now. <laughs> we'll never leave the slingers. So, like most amazing Spider-Man issues, it's pretty easy to nab this one, especially since it's not really a key issue. So, you know, grab it on Unlimited, grab it on Comixology for whatever uh, standard comic goes for. Two buckaroos. For now. <laughs> you can also uh, get in this trade that was Spider-Man versus the Silver Sable, which might be a bit of a spoiler for what's to come in the <laughs> next few minutes. And, you know, available digitally, secondhand used. Uh, individuals go for, you know, about what any standard issue of Amazing goes for, about a couple bucks physical too. Or five to ten if you're getting a non-sexy grade. <laughs> Alright, so like Matt mentioned, uh, this is the second part of a story that has loose ties to a crossover called Missing in Action, where Spider-Man has gone for a month or so, and the various Spider-Titles all focus on a specific woman in the Spider-Man extended cast. Uh, ASM focused on this new character who'd been out for about like two or three years now called Silver Sable, and she was duking it out with Jack-O-Lantern. That was 279. 
280 has Spider-Man returning and agreeing to team up with Sable to take down Jackie O, uh, using the money from his share of the bounty to fund Flash Thompson's legal defense against the state's accusation that he's actually the Hobgoblin. That's right, we're in the middle of a Hobgoblin mystery here. (laughs) So, there's a lot going on with this comic. Uh, So anyway, Jack's trying to edge in on the crime scene, so he sends out the Sinister Syndicate to take down Sable. She and Spider-Man get absolutely bodied by the Syndicate until our boy Sandman shows up to save the day. Uh, It is revealed that Sandman is like boarding in like uh, a house near Coney Island living with a delightful Hispanic couple and their small child and getting along in like a very like leave it to beaver-esque manner um it's it's a cute scene but that's actually in 280 281 nothing but fisticuffs this is the complete opposite of that Marvel uh two-in-one story this is a just a knockdown bare knuckle brawl between a whole bunch of people and you bet your bottom that we got like broken bones we got concussions we got giant sand tanks we got it all this issue is jam packed so let's dive right into this thing kane right off you missed the most important thing this issue has that the last one didn't what's that spider-man oh well (laughs) yeah so you that's that's fair this episode does have spider-man as opposed to our last episode, which was uh, without our titular uh, character. But anyway, anyway, um, so the last ep- or the last issue in this story, uh, 280, ends with Silver Sable, who is like fractured or injured both of her ankles trying to kick the beetle and spider-man who has like bruised his arm clothes lining speed demon taking cover in a roller coaster and i i I don't quite understand spider-man's logic was was like they'll never get us here it's too dangerous for them to come in when you're going up against the rhino whose superpower is he can knock stuff over really good um so spoilers he knocks stuff over really good and destroys the roller coaster causing a huge dust cloud which gets sandman's attention and he rushes over to see what's going on right and that bit you mentioned about the beetle uh threw me back when i was reading this because i don't think i've ever seen the beetle really as a formidable foe well okay no so this is the funny thing about this is so it's the sinister sinister syndicate which is a tongue twister but it's it's roughly half of the superior foes so you got speed demon you got boomerang and it's a different beetle but it's still the beetle and they like it's not even a fair fight they are just destroying and so like it's really funny reading this and like taking them as a credible threat but then here we are you know in the year of our lord 2018 reading superior foes where they are just total jokes well it's also interesting too because 280 does a lot to establish silver sable and 279 silver sable as this really formidable person Mm -hmm. she's this great secret agent like she's taking on this group of goons single-handedly like she can't take on all of us no one's that good then she pops out of the shadows cracks one in the head with a kick and is like i am basically and just kung fu's her way through the whole thing and she's supposed to be you know this incredible batman-esque figure just a silver basically just able to do whatever she's putting her mind to and is just this 
force to be reckoned with. But in Marvel, she's being set up where she's this amazing agent. But when it comes to supervillains, she's not quite able to crack it. And that's why she's trying to deal with Spider-Man is she wants to hire him to deal with the jack-o'-lantern, which is effectively a goblin-esque figure. And her high kicks and swinging on a bar just isn't enough to deal with this guy that can fly around and throw bombs. And so we really kind of get this escalated idea of the threat Spider-Man is dealing with is beyond that of what mere mortals, even those who are very capable, can handle. Mm -hmm. And so now Spider-Man's relying on her to help get out of the situation because he's kind of down and out of it from whatever put him down for a month. And this, like you said, this fight's so one-sided. It's just unfair. They're about to get dead until the Sandman decides to stumble in because he heard this loud noise at uh, basically the amusement park across the way from the suburbia that he's living. Right. So, like, the way this issue opens up is literally the the Sinister Syndicate standing over Spider-Man and Silver Sable trapped in rubble and, like, like, Rhino's reared back. Sand or Hydro Man's got a water axe. Um, you know, like they're they're about to to coup de gras, and then Sandman comes in, blindsides Beetle, and starts just taking on all five of them at once because Sandman's a boss. Um, and uh, and then so like like I said earlier, like th- this issue is nothing but a huge brawl. So there's not a lot of time for soliloquies or or monologues or or feelings, but you still get like you still get a few a few good character beats and where where you really see how Sandman has been affected by this this face turn he's made, where he he gets up and first shows up and he starts tussling with Hydra Man and he says like I don't really care about Spider-Man like Spider-Man can go get bent as far as I care but I really don't like Hydra Man so I'm gonna stick around and at least like show this guy that I'm better than him and so he bests Hydra Man and then but that's then he starts getting in some trouble he tries to go toe-to-toe with Rhino Rhino bests him and then Speed Demon does the whole uh, Amazing Spider-Man, what was it, twelve that introduced right or that introduced Sandman, and he, uh, he was defeated by a vacuum. Um, but uh, <laughs> but he uh, it was an industrial vacuum. It was an fair. industrial vacuum. But so Speed Demon starts making up a tornado so that Sandman can't uh, reform, and then Spider-Man comes back, swings in, and comes in with the assist, and you you kind of in Spider-Man and Silver Sable had this argument where Sable was like. Yeah, I don't know the Sandman guy. I'm about to cut out because uh, we were definitely getting our you know asses handed to us. And Spider-Man's like, well, I can't really do that. Like he came in to help us. I gotta help him. And then we get that we get a beat where that like later where Sandman more or less thanks him and says like, you know, you came in and helped me. I'm not gonna cut out and leave you hanging, which is uh different from what he said at the start of the the issue where he's like I don't care about Spider-Man I would leave him to hang out but he kind of he sees the 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 heroism in Spider-Man and it almost like seemingly inspires him to keep trying and and keep hanging in there and have some sort of uh camaraderie and honor 
Well, and it all happens so fast and it's so earned because it's just, it's a brawl and they need a hand at one point and it's just one good churn deserves another. And instead of being this whole arc about friendship and how we need to help each other, a whole movie dedicated to how if we don't fight each other, we'll help it out. It's just, you see it, you recognize it and you repay it. Yeah. It's all right there. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I, that that whole brawl. So it makes it so that while this brawl is fun, we get all the crazy super heroics of seeing, you know, how the Sandman's going to deal with like the boomerang or the beetle real quick because he's Sandman and he can deal with them real quick. <laughs> You get that, but you also get kind of this incredible churn with Sandman. We talked before about how the thing's giving him a second chance. His second chance was him trying to live in suburbia. This is him stepping up in a different way. This is them doing something pretty crazy with the character that was nowhere in the inception of the character. There clearly wasn't any plan for it. This is some of the fun of serial storytelling and things developing through years and people doing different things over time this is a really emergent story that's really fun and i think speaks to the strength of crazy continuity that spans for decades is you get moments like this yeah it's definitely a uh fun issue because you're reading it and then you're, you're like you're rooting for sam and you're like hell yes like i mean because because he's like you said he's like he's stepping up in a different way in a way you don't expect him to but especially coming back from that uh that two-in-one issue you kind of you kind of really see like you see you see the effects of someone giving him the second chance come to fruition like i mean with if that had not happened you know spider-man and silver sable would not have walked away from this fight um so it's just it's it's feel good it's 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 it gives you the warm and fuzzies when you see sandman make that giant sand mace and just beat rhino over the head with it like it's mm, it's 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 american like apple pie (laughs) (laughs) all right all right the crazy thing too is like you said when he shows up we don't expect him to make this churn but what's crazier is i don't think he expects himself to make that churn it's only when he sees hydra man that it kind of gets his dander up and he's like nah it's time for what for or yeah yeah like it's time to settle this thing um right. you know and and it's also important to note that uh that uh tom defalco also wrote that uh two-in-one issue so it's he definitely had that in mind when when he wrote this reunion because i mean yeah sandman re- directly references like we still have a score to settle um so yeah so the only other thing i'd really add was right at the ending that was informed by something prior is that Silver Sable was trying to hire Spider-Man, and Spider-Man in particular, because she didn't believe anyone like the Avengers, the Fantastic Four, would listen to a mercenary like her. She knows they view her as kind of dirty, whatever. Which says something about Spider-Man that I'd like to dig into a little bit further. But at the end of this, after she was ready to cut and run, and she sees what Sandman can do and all that, and realizes that he's willing to maybe do certain things that others wouldn't, given his past, uh, she puts him on the payroll. So now Sandman gets to 
to be kind of the thug he was in a lot of ways, but quote unquote for the forces of good, it's really a interesting place to put the character. Right. Where he definitely could turn back and would people be viewing him as good as this mercenary as set up in just issues prior? It's, I, I think it's a really interesting turn. It makes it, you walk away from this comic more curious about what's going to happen with Sandman than you do Spider-Man. Definitely. I'll agree with that. And yeah, this is, this is kind of like the, the baby steps toward his eventual sign up with the Avengers where, so we, we get this story and then Sandman next appears in 1989's web of Spider-Man number 50, where he shows up with this team that Silver Sable formed called the Outlaws, which has a few other reformed Spider-Man villains like Prowler and Night Thrasher and Puma. And I think Will of the Wisp. Um, And then they do that thing. And then eventually Sandman gets a presidential pardon and signs up with the Avengers. And then he's with the, the Avengers for a while, but while he's with uh, with the Avengers, like he never quite earns their trust, or or he never quite buys that he has earned their trust, and you know eventually leaves the team once there's a miscommunication between him and Captain America, where he believes Captain America is accusing him of something, and he kind of is like, well, I you know you guys are always going to see me as this villain, this thug, despite the fact that the Avengers t- is made up by like half a roster of people who were formerly villains. Like Hawkeye and Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver and um, Wonder Man and anyway, okay. <laughs> anyway, that's the old school Avengers. No one cares about them no more. That, that's that's fair. That I mean that hurts, but that's fair. <laughs> um. So yeah, I mean, there's not much more to add about this this comic because, like I said, you know, it's it's more just a brawl. But man, it's really well rendered and like you really feel. The, the danger like, like that uh spider-man and silver sable are in like they're, they're on the ropes for the entirety of this issue and they're never given a break because between speed demon uh boomerang who has jet pack and beetle like they they have they're given no quarter as soon as they find a place to to catch a breath one of them pops up and or or they get blindsided by hydro man or you know rhino shows up and you know is an immense physical threat um so it like the art is so exciting on this and oh my god like it's like so well rendered like the the like i said when you open it up it's the the five of them standing around spider-man and silver sable but like the, the first page that has all the credits and the title and everything is just a big splash page of all five of their faces looking down. Oh my God, it's such a good image. Um, just, I mean, yeah, let me, let me geek out about the art for a second. Cause like the, the this is, this is like probably one of like my favorite eras of, of Marvel art. Like I, I know a lot of people like, you know, so like it's stiff or, you know, the, the house style or whatever, but I don't know, like, this, like when I look at this, like, this is what comic book art looks like to me. Um, so, really like this. <laughs> All right, well, let's talk about Spider-Man in this. We, we've talked about, we've talked about Sandman a little bit. Does, does this, does this resonate as a Spider-Man story to you? You said, you said that it, it Silver Sable's admissions that she went to Spider-Man specifically because the Avengers and the Fantastic Four might look down on her. Uh, you said you want to get into that a little bit. Like, let's get into that a little bit. So, so what were your thoughts there? 
Yeah, I didn't know quite what to make of that, because we're well past the idea of Spider-Man potentially being more villainous at this point in my mind. But this is more the era where he's always kind of skirting around the law, Mm -hmm. Um, like especially with the Hobgoblin thing going on at the time. He gets into a lot of trouble with law enforcement in around that. And but he also has other things in around this area where he has certain contacts with the police. Like this isn't too far from, or I, get, I forget where this is in relation to Gene DeWolf. Ooh, um, Gene DeWolf was in. I think it was in Web of, um, and Web of had just started. I think this is this is before Gene DeWolf. Let me, let me check real quick. Okay. Well, regardless. This idea that Spider-Man's willing to work with a mercenary, but he's not really. He doesn't really like Silver Sable, but he's willing to work with her to do the right thing. But this idea that she recognizes that he'd be willing to listen to her when other more noble heroes wouldn't really puts us back in an era when Spider-Man was viewed differently, I feel, than the way he is now. Because now he effectively is an Avenger, though it doesn't seem to come up too often. And he's recognized as a hero and he's referenced within marvel as being this great hero and other newer heroes would look up to him we've seen that in like gravity Mm -hmm. but here he's kind of more on the outskirts still and i think it's interesting that that's playing a big factor into this comic and the fact that he could be dying in some amusement park somewhere (laughs) because of that and he wouldn't necessarily have people to call to for help or anything like that and it's just a very different point And, and i thought it was interesting and felt very spider-man but also made me realize like different era of spider-man i didn't know how you felt about that aspect um okay so back to your point this was uh this was a few months after the death of gene DeWolf story started so this was right off the heels of that uh and also that that takes place in spectacular not web of but um no, I, I I felt I felt that it was it was playing into that idea that Spider-Man, I mean, is a good guy, like unmistakably a a on 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 the forces of good, if we want to frame it like that, but is not necessarily someone who is on the up and up, like someone like he's not afraid of getting a little dirty or or having a squeaky clean image, you know, he's okay with maybe tussling or, or throwing in with someone who works maybe outside of the law but also for the greater good like silver sable even though like she'll skirt between you know hero and villain and anti-villain and anti-hero you know because she's a mercenary um so i i thought it played to that and and led, led credence to that whole idea of spider-man as an outsider uh, compared to the like unmist- uh, unabrashedly force of good for like the Avengers or the Fantastic Four, to put it in Dungeons and Dragons terms, because I'm just a big old nerd right now. Uh, you know, Avengers and Fantastic Four would be like lawful good. Spider Man would be like lawful neutral or even chaotic. Or I'm sorry, lawful good or even chaotic good. Um, in that like altruistic but might not necessarily care about maintaining order of society if that 
order in society gets in the way of doing good. Huh. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that works. I think that's to say in a different way that makes more sense in my mind. Spider-Man is a good guy who's going to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean he's going to do the legal thing. Right. But he'll do the right thing. Right. Which is to speak to the morality of the character. He He's not, I mean, just by the virtue of him being Spider-Man, he's breaking a law. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Vigilanteism is, is illegal. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I feel like in the Marvel universe, like that kind of gets hand waved. Like it's, it's not really a law that's very much enforced. Um, right. They've addressed it in different ways throughout the years, mm-hmm. probably most prominently through Daredevil. Right. Well, and that would make sense. It's the book that's most involved with legal matters since its main character is a, as a lawyer, but, um, right. Yeah, anyway, so, yeah, no, I, and so, you know, in that aspect, I think that that plays into the the, the greater Spider-Man mythos um, and, and kind of gives credence to it. But, you know, it also it also has that, that good old school Spider-Man feel where, like, Spider-Man bruises an arm, cro- like, uh, clotheslining a guy in the beginning of the fight, and he has to, like, mid-fight web up a like a sling for his arm so he can recover a little bit and that handicaps him in a fight where he was already disadvantaged and so it's it's just i mean classic classic spider-man where he he's disadvantaged i mean at one point he he just tanks a shot from the the rhino because he realizes that if he doesn't sling a webbed up I think it was Boomerang into Hydro Man. It was either Boomerang or Speed Demon. Uh, into Hydro Man, Silver Sable's gonna going to drown. And he could easily jump out of the way and save himself. But instead, he plants so that he has enough time to sling the dude into Hydro Man, even if it means he has to take a direct hit from Rhino, which almost just, you know, kills him. He, he's... The, the narration's pretty clear and says, like, the only reason he's able to stay up is on pure uh pure fight reflex and adrenaline and as soon as the the, as soon as the um sinister syndicate cut you know cut bait and run he just collapses like he's out the other cool thing too is these aren't the big threat villains but the numbers play a factor and that's something that i feel gets downplayed in spider-man a lot even with like the first sinister six appearance like he's usually just able to kind of like roundly deal with a number of villains and it doesn't feel that much more difficult than dealing with any one of them when the story's focused on them but here those numbers make a difference and if it was just one of them he probably could deal with it if it was two of them with sable he probably could have dealt with it but because they have the huge numbers advantage it makes a factor and needs the Sandman to come in for them to pull through right and yeah and I, I think that again plays into like how how paranoid the art is and that like it, it's almost like a slasher movie where these guys keep popping up no matter which way the characters twist or turn or hide or anything it's just like these guys are unstoppable like they they just keep unrelenting um so yeah it's a good exciting story all right well then on that note i think i think i think we're done talking about it. Are, are, are we done talking about it with anything else you want I, to add? I don't think i have any more to add on this one it's a great issue you guys should all check it out this is this is what we show up for. yeah yeah so yeah yeah so so reissued reissued thumbs up thumbs up uh let, let's let's move on to this this uh web of ranking list um Oof. 
I'm, I'm okay. So I'm thinking I'm just going to go ahead and plug this um, right. I'm going to plug it above pumping up. Uh, I'd, I'd like to put it a little bit higher, but we are missing some like some deeper character beats that I feel like um, we'll get with with we get with some of the higher stories. Uh, there are good character beats in this, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's still it's still just mostly a big old brawl of an issue. So it doesn't have as near uh, it doesn't have the same kind of depth as something like uh vibes or slingers or or even like identity crisis which kind of dealt with with how spider-man sees himself and and how other people see him and and kind of those those really fun like plays on on his own character but i felt like it was stronger than pumping up uh both you know both as just one shot issues and and looking at uh 281 and with 280 but um so so or how do you feel about that Are you in agreement no i definitely agree pumping up is a fun issue but i think ultimately it's going to end up very middling in our list because it's a fun issue but it's weird it's quirky you should totally still check it out if you haven't but there's nothing like okay there is something special about that book <laughs> but I'm not necessarily saying special in the most endearing way. Well, in that it, it's it's the bar. It's the bar we've set for like because when we first covered pumping up, we said like this is a really good standard one and done Spider-Man story. Like it tells all the beats you expect in a Spider-Man story, and it tells them well. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's like it's a solid B minus b minus story not not because like it's just there's no like real true ambition behind it it just feels like this was the story that they were going to tell this month and it's not really going to change much but it was enjoyable but you know the 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 things that are kind of like starting to climb up above pumping up are the ones that go a little bit above and beyond well this is the monthly spider-man story and tell something a little bit deeper with the characters or something a little bit more thrilling or or something that that's just you know got a little bit more oomph behind it right yeah i feel like pumping up is our line right now between the good and the great right yes and i want yeah i would like this to be above that i would argue this issue is stronger for what it is in the focus and what it does for spider-man mythos overall and i put it above identity crisis Ooh. okay no i i the only reason i didn't put it above identity crisis was because i really like i i've my, my throat's starting to get a little tired and i didn't want to get into an argument with you about it <laughs> Um, no, I, look, I love the Slingers. Identity Crisis is fun, but it is an oddity. Okay, then yeah, and yeah, I feel I, like, I, I'd put this above Identity Crisis, definitely. Yeah, um, really, my line is, is, and I don't know how you feel about this, is where would you put it in line with that? Who was that goblin I saw you with? I, I, I put this below that one because that that's that's a fuller story. Uh, it, has, it has a stronger arc to it. Um, we were we were able to split this one up more or less from its previous issue like uh despite the fact that there it's a two-part story um which i mean there's there are strengths to that and i think that means that it was a really well told story but as far as the overall arc is concerned it's not as strong as arc because of that yeah that's totally fair and i i think that's a great place to put it Mm -hmm. i just didn't know how you felt about it because that that was pretty much my line was in around that one issue Mm -hmm. and i could have gone either way so okay i have added it to the list 
All right, time to bring it home. So we've covered the face turn. Now it's time for the Sandman to go back down the path of evil. Next up is Spider-Man, or I'm sorry, next up is actually Peter Parker, Spider-Man number 22, which actually does not cover his like heel turn, but more the fallout of that. We'll give you plenty, plenty of information going back off of it. This is just a more interesting story. Um, so I wanted to cover this one instead of, I, I believe it's uh, Amazing Spider-Man slash Peter Parker, Spider-Man 12. Um from that era where we were going back and forth from one title to the other each each month. Uh, anyway, after that is the truly bizarre Peter Parker Spider-Man 56 and 57. And then we'll be finishing out the block with Amazing uh, Spider-Man 615 and 616, which was that gauntlet story, which was kind of like the back-to-basic story for, for Sandman. After all this big, messy continuity, we're getting the definitive, this is what Sandman's characterization is going to be now story. So, with that, thank you everybody for tuning in. Uh, you can always follow the show on Twitter and Facebook for updates and more. We do have a Patreon. As I mentioned at the top of the episode, $3.99 a month grants you access to our Spider-Man B-Title reviews, the Amazing Spider-Talks Amazing Spider-Man reviews, as well as the VIP channel of our Slack community, the Amazing Spider-Mans, uh, the Amazing Spider-Slack. If you want even more goodies, $10 a month gets you commissioned artwork from Spider-Man artists you cannot get anywhere else for $10 a month, twice a year. Special thanks to the Ellie Badge for providing our theme song. If you want to listen to more from the Ellie Badge, check out the show notes for links. And until Matt and I take a trip to Coney Island only to be run over by a tank made out of sand, make mine untold. <laughs> <laughs>